Good morning. Before I get started, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Gavin. I am married to Karen, my wife, and uh, we have three, three teenage, well, one's 21, one's 18, and one's 16, three boys, and um, they're a real joy to us, and um, it's, we're from South Africa, a place called Port Elizabeth, and um, yeah, it's a real privilege and a, and a pleasure to be with you over the course of this week. So we've been doing a Bible study with different conversations between um, the disciples and Jesus, and Dave shared and Colleen shared, and then I'll share today, and then Karen will share tomorrow, and then David will share, David Charles will share on, on Friday. So the discussion that, or the, or the story that I want to focus on this morning is the, is the, the story where Jesus feeds the 5,000. So it was quite weird yesterday while Mike started talking about it, and I'm, I was sitting up top there, and I was saying, geez, Mike, you're killing my teaching for tomorrow. You know, really, like, couldn't you have used any other story but the story of the five, feeding the 5,000? So um, anyways, we're going to give it a go. And one of the key points that I want to make will probably tie into that whole story of, of what he did yesterday. I love this story. It's one of my favorite, favorite stories in the Bible because if I look at, I have little boys. Well, I have, they were little once upon a time, but I have boys. And I always picture this, um, this little boy in the story um, with his little lunchbox coming to, to this event. Um, and I always think and ask myself, would my children give up their lunch um, for people? But... Um, <laughs> Um, it's always it's always good to think of. So let's read the story. You guys got Bibles with you? Cool. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, if that makes any difference. Um, so let's just read the story, and then we can we can dig into that. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee. It's the, sorry, where I'm reading from is John chapter six, one to about fourteen. After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went, because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, Where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that with this large crowd? And then Jesus said, tell everyone to sit down. Jesus Jesus said, so they all sat on the, on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about 5,000. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterwards, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five burly loaves. 
When the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he is the prophet we have all been expecting. And then when Jesus saw what that saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. Such a lovely story. It's one of those those those, those stories where um, I don't know about you, but I, I, I can often picture myself um, like sitting um, in that sort of context and just watching and observing. Um, just a quick, same as the story of of that come follows us when he walks on the, when Peter walks on the water. I can just picture. Um, obviously, we also live by the ocean. You guys have got a lot of water. You just picture that it was a storm. So a lot of people picture the water being flat with Jesus walking on, but I can picture him like walking up over a wave and down, and it it wasn't just flat. And in this sort of context, you can just imagine what is a if if enough people would fill this arena and some that he was just feeding, you know. And and just a question: Who goes to a day event and doesn't take any food with them? Just out of curiosity. You know, except this kid who who was probably there alone. Um, he didn't want to stay with his parents, or his parents weren't going, and he decided to go. So his mommy packed him his little lunchbox, and he went away. Anyways, those are little side notes. But the amazing thing about the story, and and I've got three points that I want to want to tie into you and, and give you this morning. And the first one, it's a question. Um, if I look at Jesus and his interaction, the thing is, well, what have you got in your hand? Like he asked, basically, if you look at different, it's the only story that's in all four um, gospels, and um, so it clearly had an impact um, with all the gospel writers. And there's points about this that that is vital. And Jesus interacts, and he, and he sees the need, and he knows what's coming, but he turns to the disciples and he says, "Well, what are you going to do?" You know, he he invites us into the place where we can make a difference in people's lives. You know, Jesus is always, if you look at the, the stories and you look at, at what he does, he constantly invites us into community, into a place where, <coughs> excuse me, where we can participate with him. And that's the discussion that he's constantly having with us and engaging with us is, well, how are we going to partner with him? You know, Wimber always used to say, have a look and see what God is doing. Who's God on? And then just join in and partner with and that is exactly what Jesus is inviting us to do. And he asks us, he says, well, what's in your hand? And he asks his disciples, he says, well, okay, well, the problem is we've got 5,000 men. And then obviously you've got children and women on top of that, so 15,000, 20,000 people. How are we going to feed them? And um, for us as, as, as individuals and as communities and as people, Jesus engages with us. And what, what so often happens with us as as Christians, we begin to look at others and we begin to look at our um, what, what, what's in our hand and we begin to say, well, it's, it's really insignificant what I've got. Um, anyone watch? Um, okay, let's use, let's use some sports that you guys know because some of the sports I play and what you play are a bit different. So if, if you give me a football and I start playing, I'll be horrendous. It'll be terrible. But if I give it to Victor Lindelof, huh? you guys know who Victor Lindelof is? The Swedes are saying yes, and the Danish are going no, and anyways. Or Cristiano Ronaldo. Everyone knows. If you give me a football, 
And then I give Cristiano football, and we together, and we're trying to show off our skills. I'm going to look at Cristiano and go, you, my skills are very ins- insignificant. And he's so much better at it than I am. But on the other side, if Cristiano comes to South Africa and I give him a cricket ball and I have a cricket ball, he, as talented as he is with a football, I know I will be a lot better than him with a cricket ball because that's what I used to do, particularly before I went into ministry. That is what my professional capacity was compared to football. Does that make sense? And the same thing happens in church. When God invites us into this place and has he begins to have these conversations with us when we're in shopping centers, when we're in the workplaces, in our family life, God keeps saying to us, well, what's in your hand? What, 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 what have you got? And we begin to look at what we have, but we tend to take our eyes off that and we begin to look at others. And we begin to say, well, you know what? This is rather insignificant. All understand maths. If I look at this sort of context, if I look at at, at economics, in this sort of context, you have a, um, a, a, what what do they call it? Um, I'll tell you now. Um, Supply and demand. If I look at the demand, yeah, there were so many thousands who needed to to be fed. But the supply was five fish, uh, five loaves and two fish. So five plus two is seven. That doesn't equal 5,000. Correct? So there was a real shortage if you looked at it from, from, from that point of view. And that is often what we tend to look at. We look at the needs. Um, we look at the situations. And we look at what God can or, or, or what needs to be done. But then we often look at what we have and we think, well, it's rather insignificant. My little piece, my gifts, my abilities, who I am is not enough. And we need to be changing that mindset and realizing that what we have in the hands of Jesus is more than enough. And there will be leftovers. And I'll get to some more of that in the the next couple of points. There's a, sto- a story but in March 1981. You guys remember President Ronald Reagan. He was shot by um, John Hinckley Jr. And he was hospitalized for several weeks. Although, although Reagan was the nation's chief executive, his hospitalization had little impact on the nation's activity because government continued. But on the other hand, what would happen for several weeks if the garbage removal of a city stops for three weeks. You see, so often we look at different situations and we would naturally think, well, a president is way more important than garbage removal or a nationwide strike. You know, the destruction that that can cause. And often, like a, a, if, a, if a garbage thing stops for, for three weeks, there's going to be, the city will get very messy and more messy. But for a, for, for a certain time, without having a president or leader, others will step in and fill. And life will continue. 
and there will be a balance. Obviously, leadership is vital, and obviously we want good leaders. Um, and if we have bad leaders, you're speaking to South Africans over here, a period of bad leaders at, at the top level will eventually corrode away your society. So that is what... But what I'm trying to say here is that often we just look at the key priority or what we think and perceive as, as important people and important gifts and important abilities. And we, we, would, we would scale prison to guys who drive garbage trucks and we would put a, um, an importance level there. But significance of a garbage strike for three weeks compared to necessarily a president being in hospital for three weeks and not being able to, to perform his duties, there will be a greater impact immediately by the garbage. So I think what it's important, I think Paul says it well um, in 1 Corinthians um, 12, 21. Um, he says, in the body of Christ, seemingly um, insignificant ones are, um, uh, yeah, sorry, as Paul reminds us, the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. That's Corinthians 12, 21 and 22. So Paul teaches us that every single part of the body is important. So every role and function that you have in your church is vitally important. We planted a church, it was probably about 15 years ago now, and some of the most amazing people that I could never have done without in the church plant were not the people that brought prophetic words necessarily every Sunday, but it was the people that were prepared to give up time and bring just their, their, their heart of servanthood and would lay our chairs, would set up music, would set up coffee. That's very important. Set up those things and then help pack away. And every Sunday we had to set up and pack down. And without those volunteers who were prepared to give up their time and give up just that heart of servanthood, like our church wouldn't have functioned, you know, for years. Um, so it wasn't just the preacher who was important or the worship team or the worship leader. It was those people who were prepared just to come and serve. So don't, don't minimize what you have in your hand. Don't minimize and say, well, it's insignificant. It's very important that you bring who you are and what you have. The second thing about this um, is don't hold on to it, but be free to surrender it. And this is where the little boy comes in, so importantly. You know, I can, again, you just picture this little boy walking around, um, or maybe he was even just in the vicinity and he was eavesdropping and he was just there. And the disciples were looking and they're going, What's going how are we going to feed this? And the little boy, oh, you know, that innocence and that, that, um, that sense of just purity. He says, well, yeah, you go, you know, take my little, and they weren't loaves of bread either. You know, you can imagine probably like our little breakfast buns. They were small, you know, and with a couple of fish. And the childlike faith and, and, and the childlike just to say, well, here we go. You know, take this, use this. And um, he didn't decide, okay, well, I'll give you four fish, uh, four loaves, and I'll keep one loaf for myself and one fish, and you can take the rest because, well, if I give it all to you, what am I going to have? He just decided to give everything over to Jesus. And through that act of obedience, through that act of just kindness and willingness to to surrender it to Jesus he he basically you know he was part of that miracle and that discussion that fed those thousands and thousands of people 
This also reminds me very much of the story. Another one of my favorite stories that I would love to have been there is Moses at the burning bush. You know, and God asks a similar question of, of Moses when Moses is having all these debates with God. And he's like, well, I can't do this. I can't do that. I, you know, how can I do this? And eventually God says to him, well, Moses, what's in your hand? And he has the, the, the rod or the staff. And eventually I, God probably did like, I think probably in front, well, no, I can't say God was frustrated. It was probably just like I would have been frustrated if I was God. And eventually he says, Moses, just throw the thing on the ground. And as he throws it down, the stick or the staff becomes alive and it turns into a snake. Not so? You guys remember that story? You guys do know it, eh? They do have Moses in, in the Nordics. And... So this becomes alive, and obviously you'd be quite shocked. And then he says, well, pick it up. And as he picks it up, again, it becomes a rod, a staff, and it's dead. And this was, like, this was a real revelation to me um, many, many years ago in my 20s. It's, and it was so much so that whenever we decide to actually give what we have over to God and surrender it to God, it becomes alive. And God can do with it what he wants. And often when we pick it up again and we want to do it in our own strength, it becomes dead. And it can't necessarily be as powerful or as like creative and amazing as it could because we want to hold on to it. And many people have so many abilities and creative um, aspects about their lives. You know, we have entrepreneurs, we have worship leaders, we have songwriters, we have um, painters and, and artists. And man, it's endless. And many of them are just sitting in, the, in, in our congregations, not actually using and surrendering what they have to God. You know, and I don't want to try and limit anything. Um, it's not just art. You know, it's, it's people with amazing, um, people with like the, the, the gift of, of being able just to give and sow into people's lives. Um, time, money, um, just hospitality. Um, there's so many areas where God leads us and guides us and gives us creative ways to impact the community of, of, of believers and, and those that aren't um, believers of God. Um, just listening to some of the stories um, with Ted and them where they've had students from, from other uh, countries just living with them for seasons um, in their lives. That's a gift and that's something that they felt they can do and and by just by doing that, they impact people's lives because they surrender their home. They surrender some of their freedom and they say, well, God, take this and use it to impact um, the lives of, of people. You know, so, you know, when we understand that everything that we have is actually God's anyway and God invites us in this wonderful conversation to surrender more and more. But he's never just going to take it from you. He's going to ask you. He's going to invite you. He's going to say, well, what do you think of that? How are we going to do this? Because it's a relationship. I think as, as believers and as Christians, we need to constantly be reminding ourselves that we're not involved in religion. We hate religion. It's about that relationship and engagement with Jesus on a regular basis. It's a regular discussion that we're having with God where we're asking God, God, what do you think? What do you think about this? 
I'm seeing this. What do you think? You know, are, are these visions and dreams that I'm feeling, are, are, they, are they what you're giving me or is it just my, my impression? And it's dialogue. We're constantly having this dialogue where God invites us into this discussion. And the cool thing about this discussion as well is like Jesus was speaking to the disciples. And this little boy was involved in this discussion. That's what he brought. But there was still community that God was doing in, this, in, in, in these disciples' lives at the time. And, I, and, and the same thing for us in, in, in church community. If you're not sure, talk to one another. You can discover these things together. It doesn't have to be you've got to sit in a quiet place on a mountain, on a hill, or in a th- and, and you know, you're not allowed to leave there until God speaks to you. It's not, it's not like that. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, let's talk together. Let's share. What's God asking us as, as, as a connect group or small group? What's God asking us as a, as, as, as a leadership team? What's God asking us? It, it, it's, it's never meant to be about one person. It's never ever meant to be about one person having all the answers, having everything put in for. We create teams, we have community, and the vineyard we we better together. That's that's always been said um, since we went to the global conference. One of the key themes was we better together. So as as believers, as churches, as leadership, what's God saying to us? What do we have that we can? be a blessing to God in our, in our communities, in our countries, in our regions, whatever it is. What, are, what, 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 what can we surrender um, as all those different layers and situations? Because God wants community. God wants us to do it together. It's not just about, you know, the little boy. It was, it was the whole thing of, um, with Andrew. You know, Andrew was probably just as sheepish and shy in some ways, because, well, they've got nothing to feed these. And then all of a sudden, he probably had this moment of boldness. He says, well, he has five loaves and, and two fish. But then he's like, yeah, well, that probably doesn't help much. You know, and, 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 he, and he shrinks back again. Um, but Jesus takes that. And sometimes many of us are in situations where we might not be feeling the confidence and the courage to, to walk things out. But our brother and our sister alongside us, you know, they might say, well, come on, let's just do this. And yeah, they might shrink back at times. But just taking that, that, that first step and that willingness to, to, to listen to God and to take that step of, of God challenging us and calling us out, all of a sudden we get that little bit of courage we need to step out. And then he begins to, to do that in our lives. The third part to the story is whatever you have in your hand doesn't matter how insignificant and as you surrender it understand that we need to let it be a blessing to people around us see the fruit of when we surrender what we have and who we are it becomes a blessing to that remember I mentioned that maths equation at the beginning or that little sum Five plus two does not equal 5,000, right? But if we say five plus two times X equals 5,000, that will make sense. Any maths brains, yeah? Anyone understand what I'm, what I'm saying? You see, it's incredible. For, for some of the early church in the, 
their ancient writings in the early church, X always stood for Christ. Remember Xmas? Like that's what you know people try to remove Christ out of Christmas, so they put Xmas and stuff. But X was always a symbol of Jesus and of Christ. So if we add Christ into that equation where it doesn't make sense and it doesn't add up, all of a sudden it can add up because it's infinite. God can do anything beyond what, what our measure is. Just a couple of stories in, in my life where you know, I mentioned earlier that um, I was a sportsman before God called me into into ministry and stuff. And then even after I was called into ministry, I became a youth pastor. And I often said to myself, I'm like, you know, God, what can this sportsman do that's going to impact? You know, because we work in a church often, we often stuck. We spend a lot of time in our offices, in our churches. we speaking to people and helping people that are in the church. But how can we impact society and 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 what we do you know where we are and what we do and um obviously i was still quite active at the time i wasn't as round as i am now and um i had the wonderful privilege and opportunity to coach in a school for for many years so i coached a bit of cricket and um i don't know what you hockey field hockey um we don't have ice hockey so it's my wife's Canadian, so I understand the difference between field hockey and, and ice hockey. In, in Canada, when you say hockey, it's ice hockey. It's like not the grass stuff, you know? Well, it's astroturf now. Um, and I always just say, well, God, what are we, how are we going to do this? And again, God asked me this question. Well, what's in your hand? What have you got? Who are you? You know, and I said, well, God, I'm a sportsman. So he said, right. And I, I, be, I began to, to coach in, 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 in the school. And began to um, help these these teenage boys, and it was amazing that through coaching and sharing and just being an example and um, becoming like a sometimes an older brother type figure to some of them, um, life carried on. And as these boys got older, you know, boys the boys tend to get into trouble, and. Um, I had all these like I don't know like little sons everywhere who were who were teenagers that God had placed in our in our sphere, and um, Karen will tell you stories where I used to get calls at two in the morning, three in the morning, and um, sir, sir, please come come help. I've had too much to drink, and I can't get home. I don't want to drive with so and so because we've had too much to drink, so. I wasn't necessarily always happy and smiley about that. But I had the opportunity to go and fetch them and get them home safely. There was one condition. They don't dare throw up in my car. That was, that was the rule, you know. But, and, oh, man, I remember a couple of years back. Because you don't often, you, you don't always get to see the end result. You know, as part of... Um, being involved in, 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 in the life of Jesus and, and sharing life with so many people, sometimes you've got a short window where you impact people's lives and then they drift off and, and, and you might not know. And um, the one random day, Karen just said to me, said, just have a look on Facebook under a certain guy's um, profile. And he had a photo of me as his coach um, and and him as a little teenager. He's now got two boys. He's all grown up and stuff. 
And he just wrote this most amazing piece of just thanks and um, gratitude for helping him survive his teenage years and stuff like that. And it was just so amazing because we don't often see that. And we don't often hear the thanks. And not that we do it for the thanks. You know, it's not about that. But you never know when you give up some time, when you give up (laughs) your sleep to go and fetch someone from a pub who can't get home, or when you give up when someone is feeling, you know what, I feel like I just want to end my life, and you go and sit with them for an hour. And for us, we think it's just time and letting them talk and letting them process. We never know. But if we come back to the passage and we say, as we surrender it, people are fed, not necessarily food-wise in our context, but spiritually and emotionally, and people's lives are changed. And that's what it's about. That's why we do this. That's why we, God invites us into the story and into this community and into this relationship where we can have impacts on people's lives in different shapes and forms. You know, he invites us into the place where we can make a difference in people's lives. And that is what is, what is so amazing. And, you know, what does the future hold? We never know. You know, we never know what God can, can call us into. But we do know that he's constantly inviting us into a place where we can make a difference. And I often look at, um, Karen was actually saying to you yesterday, we were just walking and she was saying, man, we are so privileged to do what we do. It really is a blessing. It really is amazing. We get to travel um, Dave and I travel up through in and into Africa all the time and you, you meet amazing people um, and different circumstances and situations and um, so often you know we think we we look at our own country and you just like the problems and you go oh Jesus the problems are unbelievable but then we travel somewhere else and we listen to them and we think well actually maybe we're not as bad you know, um, and God reminds us, He reminds us over and over again that we all have something to bring. We all have something, and if we focus on what we have and what He's given us, and we're constantly giving it back to Him, He's able to do incredible, incredible things. You know, so that is that is really uh, um, cool and amazing that he invites us into that. And um, so he gives us these, these opportunities. He gives us these abilities where we are able to, to take what we have. And each of us are gifted and talented at something. You know, All of us have what he's given us. He hasn't made a bunch of guys and girls that are absolutely worthless and useless. Um, we just need to come back to that point where we're able or prepared to acknowledge that actually, you know what? We are a son and a daughter of our most high king. You know, and he has called each one of us with a plan and a purpose. And even better than that, he's, he doesn't just say, well, here's my plan and purpose. Go and do it yourself. He says, well, here's my plan and purpose. 
Now what are we going to do about this? And then he says, and even better than that, I'll give you a group of people and a community around you that will help you, encourage you, strengthen you. And there are times where you feel like, like Andrew, you go, oh, yeah, we, oh, no, actually, no, no, I don't want to do that. Or we're standing with other disciples and like, actually, you know what, I've got nothing to give. And Jesus says, despite that, the rest of the community can come around you and together we can achieve these plans and purposes that we have as individuals, as communities, as churches, as the Nordics combined. You know, the different levels and tiers of this. And God invites us into, into that. So I know Dave did it, and I know Colleen, because I was listening to Colleen's yesterday. One thing we wanted to do in this session and this time, one of the things that, that we have found so helpful at, at Fountain, and one of the things we say all the time is, we want to be mask-free, and we want to remove our masks, and we want people to know us, um, and really get to know us. And... Um, I think Colleen spoke about some shame and stuff yesterday. But I want to take it now like shifting into where, where, where what we've spoken about today. So maybe get into like groups of two and three. And I actually want you to say to each other what you really see as one of your strengths. Don't focus on weaknesses because often it's easy to rattle off all the weaknesses. So if someone had said to you, well, what's, what's in your hand? Who are you? that you can actually talk about that and say, you know what, this is who God has made me to do. This is what I, I see, what my gift is to the body of believers and to the community around us. And then if you're with people that perhaps know you, allow them to say what they see in you. I'm sure many of you have known each other for a long time. Allow people to affirm you as well and say nice things. I know sometimes it gets really uncomfortable. And we want to run away. But it's true. We need to be able to hear what the Father is saying over us at times. And he uses those the community around us. So let's get into groups. Um, we can maybe just chat about this and you can talk about it. Or whatever. And then we'll come back and I'll have some closing thoughts. And we can wrap it up after that. Does that make sense? Anyone confused? Any questions? Hmm? You can just take a couple more minutes. Is that all right? Okay, I'm glad your guys' discussion's going so well. Glad there are lots of positive things being shared. I like that. So, just in 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 closing this off, um, I just want to highlight a couple of gifts that that we have as individuals and in the church. 
And um, first one is that there are gifts that, of reaching, you know, where we can, can reach out. Those are people that are perhaps gifted in missionary, evangelism, and teaching. Then there are also gifts of leading, of leading and leadership. Obviously, you get your pastors, your leadership, your administration. Then there are gifts of revelation, prophecy, tongues, interpretation. Gifts of information, like wisdom, knowledge, discernment. Then there are gifts of action, which include faith, healing, and miracles. The gifts of comfort, which include encouragement, mercy, and hospitality. And the gifts of support, which include help, service, giving of gifts, and obviously gift of intercession, etc. All of these are needed in the church today. All of them are vital and important in our communities around us. And you will come across people today that might need the gift of support or comfort. But further down the road, they will need someone else and another gift and a different situation. But the most important thing about these gifts is, firstly, that we make them available. You know, uh, Well, firstly, we just admit the abilities that we have. And if we understand those abilities, then we're able to make them available to God. And when we make them available to God, he tends to take them, that there's abundance for everyone. So take those three things and continue this discussion. Don't let it end now with those two or three people that you've spoken with this morning. You know, take your abilities, and if you're not sure about them, talk about them. You know, I'm not one a huge one for those tests and stuff, but rather, what are guys seeing in you, and what are you feeling? What what what's God stirring in your heart right now? You know, sometimes one person sees things, but many people are seeing something else. Um, you know, sometimes you see yourself in one way, but others collectively see you differently. So, so engage in those discussions. Remember, it's community. It's a relationship with Jesus and with one another. And um, engage in those. So what are your abilities? What, are, what, what has God given you in your hand? And as you do that, make it available. Surrender it to God and allow him to take it and, and to bless others in abundance. That there will be overflow from your life when people look back and they go wow you know you didn't just impact one or two people's lives it was just like just a flow outflow for people you know um i think uh, dave does say it he says you know we don't want to be bucket christians where the holy spirit fills us and then we chuck it out and then we empty we need to be a host pipe that's plugged onto the tap where the water constantly flows through you know where it needs to constantly flow, the Spirit of God flows through us because we plugged in and connected to Him. That those gifts and that relationship with Him is we just open and God keeps talking and we keep. And the thing about any gift, you get better at it the more you do it. You know? So discover it and begin to use it. Um, you know, Mike shared a bit about that this morning as well. You know, risk, risk sharing. Because at the end of it, no one really dies. Or no one dies, physically anyway. You know, the people can be blessed. And the more you listen to God, the more you engage with Him and you, you hear His voice more and more. He taught you, or He doesn't, not that He was never talking. It's not like He talks less. So it's just sometimes our ears tend to get stuff stuck in them and we don't listen. So let's stand together. Any questions?
<laughs> I'd love to pray with you, so let's stand and pray. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for this incredible opportunity of just being in this incredible relationship with you, where we can walk with you, talk with you, and we have incredible people around us that can, can, can share life with us. And we can accomplish so much more together. So Lord, just as you fed the 5,000 through the act of this little boy who was prepared to bring what he had. And a bunch of disciples who didn't really know what to do at the time. And even though there are times where we feel we have such so little in our hands. Or not sure what to do. You take that and you multiply it. And you not only feed those that were there, but there was abundance for more and leftovers that we can eat from what you're doing in our lives for so long, Lord. So, Lord, everyone who's here this morning and standing, Lord, I bless them. And I bless what you're doing in their lives. I pray that you would continue to, to highlight those areas in their lives so that you want to, to bless them and call them out. That they can fulfill everything, plan and purpose that you have for them. We thank you that you've given them dreams. We've, you've given them visions. And I ask, Lord, that you would ignite them and empower them to walk in all your promises and purposes, Lord. So I bless every single one of them. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for listening. And I pray that you'll be blessed.